Well, good morning, everyone. You have been in a series called Work Matters, and uh, this is so good and so important for us to talk about, to talk about our work, because by the time we retire, most of us will spend the majority of our waking hours at something that we call work. You know, that's where almost two-thirds of our waking hours will be spent at, at our places of employment. And so we need to talk about what God thinks about that. So in week one, we talked about that, that this whole idea of work is something that God has given to each one of us and gave to humanity before the fall. Okay? So he actually gave us a command to go fill the earth, subdue it, and to work this thing in the garden. And so work is something that God gave as a blessing. Right? So, but then last week we talked that, that Genesis 1 and 2 necessarily leads into Genesis chapter 3. And Genesis chapter 3 is when humanity, our first parents, decide to rebel against their creator. And because of their disobedience and because of their rebellion, their work becomes hard. And the garden becomes full of thorns and thistles. And ever since then, work has become really kind of a drudgery for us. But Jesus ultimately said that, that he came to complete the, what, work that God gave for him to do. And he went to the cross and redeemed and restored us back to the Father. So now our work can be infused with new meaning, new purpose, and new significance. And as we've been going through this series on work, it, it really began to help me kind of reflect on some of the jobs that I've had growing up. You know, you ever think, think back on all the jobs you've ever had in life? Uh, my first job was a paper route. All right. How many of you have paper routes out there? Yeah. You know, there, there actually is some, uh, you know, in, indication that for those people who had paper routes in their youth and, and greatness in adults, that, that, that didn't happen with me. Okay. But, but, uh, but a paper route, you know, I just, I remember delivering, having to deliver the papers every day. Now, my, the majority of my route was after school, but on Saturday mornings, you know, it's, you had to get up, do the Saturday morning paper and, and stuff the papers and go out in cold weather in the winter time and get the papers before guys who are my age now got angry because the paper wasn't delivered on time. And, and it, it taught me the value of work. And then uh, when I was in high school and college, my summer job was, was a lifeguard. And I'm not going to even try to pretend that being a lifeguard was any more difficult than it looks like, okay? Um, but, but you know, I, it was a great job, and I worked my way up to head lifeguard, where I, I was in charge of scheduling and, and you know, the performance of the staff and, and stuff like that. And so it taught me the, the value of responsibility and being responsible. And then my first job out of business school, out of college, I got hired by Black & Decker to be a sales rep out in California. And uh, when they hired the whole sales force, it was a brand new division. And they said, they promised us that within a year, you're all going to be account executives. And then in, in the first, after that first year is up, they decided to dissolve the entire sales force and go with manufactured reps. And then I found myself unemployed for the first time. And then I really understood that work is a blessing. When you, when you get to the point when you don't have work to do, you understand that work in reality is a blessing. Work is good. And as, as, as work, as, as Troy pointed out in week one, is, you know, is given before sin entered into the world. Okay? But what if we 
approached work not just as a as a blessing from God or as a place where we might have an opportunity to grow and thrive and develop our natural gifts and abilities, but what if we saw work as that unique, specific, distinct place where we get to partner with God and His plans and intentions and purposes to restore the world and reconcile the world back to Himself? What if we saw work as that that environment where we get to be on mission with God, the God of the universe, to be used by him and his intentions to connect with people who are far from him and to, to really kind of demonstrate his loving character to those people who don't know who he is. Okay, would that would that change the way that you approached work at all? If you began to see work as that distinct environment where God has placed you to be on mission with Him. I'm fascinated with the, uh, with the Mission Impossible series. You guys digging this series? I mean, what are they? They're on, they're on number six right now. And numbers seven and eight are in production as we speak. You know, and it's just crazy. I mean, Tom Cruise never ages. He, he doesn't look any different than he does when he was in Top Gun, you know? And the guy is older than I am, but he still does all his own stunts, you know? So he's just odd, you know? I, I think we can all agree on that, you know? So, um, but, you know, in the, in, the, in the Mission Impossible series, I just love this series because at the beginning of, you know, the movies and, and the TV show that, that it's based off of, you know, the guy who's the spy always gets this message from headquarters at the very beginning of the movie, Right? And, and they, they tell them, you know, what's going on and everything like that. And then it, it ends with your mission, should you choose to accept it, is, you know, recover the rabbit's foot or intercept Agent X or do this or do that. And, and, and then the rest of the show, you know, Peter Graves on the television show or you know, Tom Cruise in the movie, you know, was on this incredible mission that he lived out, that he, that he got to be on, okay? That was the first thing. What if we approached our work in that way, with that same attitude? That we saw work not just as a place to make money or even be productive, but we saw it as, as this unique opportunity to be on mission with the living God for his, for his plans and his purposes for the world. That we are, in essence, God's secret agents. Wouldn't that be cool? You know, we're God's secret agents, carefully disguised as a plumber, or as a teacher, or as a policeman, or as a mother. You know, because the reality for most of us is this. Work is that specific, unique, distinct place where God calls us to practically live out our faith among an unbelieving world. Let me say that again. Work for most of us is going to be that unique, specific place where God calls us to practically live out our faith among an unbelieving world. And I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, page 827. We're going to look on a passage that hopefully helps us to, to understand this passage. Now, one of the great myths, while you're turning there, about Christianity is, is that once you turn your life over to Jesus, once you, you know, accept Him by His Holy Spirit into your life, is that your life kind of becomes boring. 
kind of dull, kind of mundane, kind of ho-hum. Like, like the best that we can aspire to be is really, really nice people. Okay? But that, but life kind of just kind of goes on as, as normal. And there's no really, you know, kind of adventure or, or interesting things happening in life. When, in my experience, that nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, ever since I've decided to follow Jesus, my life has become more interesting, more exciting, and more of an adventure than I could ever even imagine. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I'm a pastor, but has everything to do with the fact that I am a follower of Jesus. And for some reason, Jesus invites every single one of us who calls him King and Lord in our life, he invites us into his plans and purposes for the world that are eternal in nature. And I don't know why he does that, but I'm just glad that he does. Because that fills our lives with significance and purpose that we can only imagine. And this is exactly what Paul is getting at in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, we're just going yeah, to look at one verse this morning. One verse. And we're going kind to of, kind of spill that out and spell it out as, uh, as we kind of go on. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says here, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus... To do what? Good works. Good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay? Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, isn't that the most amazing thing that you can think of? Okay? God prepares work, assignments, adventure. For us to do, to live out, and he does that ahead of time. He's foreordained it. He's planned it on our behalf. We can get up every morning and God says to us, in essence, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go and be on mission with me. Now, you know, it doesn't exactly say what those Works are going to be, they're going to be different for, for each and every person here. But we know from a few verses in scripture what God wants to have happen, what he desires. In 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, it says, it says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants what? What does he want? All men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And then Peter says the same thing in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise of, of returning here. As some understand slow is he's patient with you, not wanting what? What does he not want? Anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So from these two verses, what do we know is true about God? He wants all people to be saved and everyone to come to repentance. Now, if you keep those two verses in your mind... And you go to work where you are rubbing shoulders and interacting with people who are far from God and are disconnected from Him and are spiritually disorientated. What does that mean? It's that you have a mission field right around you. 
to interact with those people and put on display the love and care and concern of God the Father for those people. Now, listen to me. Every single one of you who get up in the morning and go to some place in the workforce, you are some of the most strategic people here in church. You got that? More so than a pastor, more so than Troy, more so than Dave, more so than Ryan, you know, more so than Steve, Pastor Steve. Because all of you get to go out and rub shoulders and interact with people that those guys are never, ever going to have a chance to meet. You are placed there for a specific purpose and reason. Some of the people that you work with, you are going to be the only follower of Jesus that they may ever interact with. You may be the only Bible that they ever get a chance to read. And what are you, what are you telling them? What are you, you going to be showing them? Okay? And so, if we have this attitude about work, we, we get to put Jesus on display. We get to, to show what he looks like. Okay? And so, what I want to do is just kind of give us three ideas, three, three, three reasons that, that we can do this really, really well. Okay? From scripture. Okay? First thing, it comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 to 16. He says here, he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. How do you get to do this well? How do you put Jesus on display at work? Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. It in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. This is what happens when you go into work. You're going to shine like stars in the universe. Some of our work environments are pretty dark. Some of our work environments are pretty black. But when you go in there as a follower of Jesus Christ, you bring the light of Jesus in there. You shine like a star. Are you shining? Are you shining brightly? One of the guys, one of the most positive guys, the guys who live out this verse, do everything without complaining and arguing, is one of our, one of our elders. Okay? And he lives, he works in a very competitive environment. He's in the sales and, uh, and his company has been bought and sold many times. And when your company is bought and sold many times, there's sorts of anxiety that happens. As, is, you, is your employment secure? Is your job secure? There's a clash of cultures that takes place because the new, new owners coming in. And when there's this clash of cultures, there's negativity that runs rampant. Okay? Most of us, we know that the, the language at work... The normal and natural default language is the language of complaining. It's complaining, okay? A wise man once told me, he says, Mike, he says, any idiot can, can complain. It takes a genius to compliment because it takes intentionality and forethought to do compliments. But, but this guy is super positive in the midst of this very destructive, very negative work environment that he's in. And as a result, he is constantly called upon to go in and to mediate and to go into a conflictual situation and be the peacemaker at work. Because he's known as a person who doesn't do this. He just does everything without complaining or arguing. He's a peacemaker and he goes in at work and they leverage him and utilize him to bring reconciliation in these conflictual situations. Now, he also oversees a team 
of uh, salespeople. And he loves his salespeople and cares for his salespeople so well that he's not only their boss, he's not only their direct report, but he's also their shepherd. He's their pastor. They don't have another pastor, but he cares for them and loves them. And this is so funny. It was, it was brought home to me when we were at a staff retreat. Okay, The entire pastoral staff and spouses were at, at a retreat one, one year. And when you take the whole church staff away, off-site, oftentimes there's crises. Because we all work at a church, you know. There's family crises and stuff like that. And so we anticipate that one of us could get that call. Where we have to move into pastor mode and, and react to the crises. Well, guess who got the call? Was this guy. <laughs> and he, he's not a pastor. He's a sales manager. But one of his sales reps was having a personal family crisis. And they didn't call a pastor or a professional pastor. They didn't call a family member. Remember? They called Jay. And so Jay was off. Duty calls. He had to go help one of his sales reps work through this personal crisis that they were going through. And I'm like, this is incredible. This is awesome. You know, here this guy, he's, he's not on our staff as a pastor, but he's the one who gets the pastoral call. Why? Because he saw himself as a shepherd of his own employees. And he does, he started by doing this. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God, shining like stars in the universe as he holds out the word of life. That's exactly what he does. Second thing that we can do to do this well is to do excellent work. Okay? Do excellent work. Troy uh, kind of hit on this in week one, but do excellent work. Colossians chapter three, Paul says this. And whatever you do, whatever, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Okay? Now, some of you going to work, you think that you're serving, you know, the, uh, the West Bend School District. Some of you may think that you're working for freighter. Some of you may think that you're working for GE Med Systems. Okay? I don't know. Ultimately, the person you're working for is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says to us that whatever you do, whether we're to do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Work at it with all your heart. Work at it with all your heart. You want to be a model employee as a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? You should be doing some of the best work possible that you can do. Okay? One of the guys in our, in our church who works at a plant outside of town, and he does this so well. He is such a hard worker. He is known uh, amongst his colleagues as one of the best workers. In fact, just this past week, there was a, a, a young employee that they had who was working maintenance, and he was going to quit because his schedule just didn't work out for his job. And this guy realized that this employee was a promising young employee that they needed to keep around. And so he bent over backwards to make this guy's schedule work out. And he went to all the people in the different departments explaining why this guy needed to change his schedule and why we needed, they needed to keep him as a promising young employee. And he made it all work out. He made it all work out. Because he does all of his work as unto the Lord. 
Now, what's really interesting about this guy is he was just voted employee of the year by his colleagues at the plant that he works at. Isn't that cool? I mean, he's recognized by his peers, by the people he worked with as a model employee, and they voted him as employee of the year. The other thing that I thought was really cool is that this guy, from time to time, recommends people from Kettlebrook to work at his plant, and they hire him. And management has come back to him and said, you know what, we will always hire people from your church because they are some of the best employees that we have. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You can guys, you guys give yourself a round of applause for that. Because when you do that, you're living out Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Now, imagine just if the opposite were true. What if you went to work and you showed up late? You kind of groused and complained about management. And you just kind of skated along and did the bare minimum that was required of you. And then you say to your coworkers or your boss, and say, yeah, I'm a born-again Christian. I go to Kettlebrook. What kind of light does that put Jesus in when you're that kind of employee? And Paul is saying, put Jesus on display in the best way possible. You're his representatives. You're his ambassador. What, what kind of representation are you giving? You know? And, uh, and he's, Paul says here, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Then the last thing that we can do is, again, found in Colossians, is that make the most of every opportunity as you interact with outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Paul says this, be wise in the way... You act towards outsiders. Most of you, unless you're on staff here, as you, when you go to work, you're going to interact with outsiders, aren't you? Okay? And Paul says, be wise in the way, the way you interact with them. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace. Full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, let's leave that up there for a while. Okay? First of all, he says... He says, make the most of every opportunity. Make them. Now, I want you to notice what Paul is not saying here. Paul's not saying here to be obnoxious about your faith, okay? He's not telling us to be annoying about, you know, sharing faith. He's not even telling us to witness. What he is telling us is to make the most of every opportunity as they display themselves. And he's telling us to have graceful conversations, full of grace. What does it mean to have conversations that are full of grace? That means when you're having conversations, you're displaying the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. That's what it means to have conversations that are full of grace. That as you're you're in conversation, you're just naturally, normally displaying what the kingdom looks like. To live under the good and great kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you have interactions with people, they're filled with love and joy and peace and patience. Kindness. Kindness. There's a novel idea at work. Maybe show a little kindness to people. There's this gal uh, that's part of the Kettlebrook family. 
and, uh, and she's in the medical field. She uh, actually runs her own dental clinic here in town. And she just does this so well. Her conversations are always full of grace. And as a result, she has created an environment at her workplace of kindness. And all the gals who work for her, all their employees know this. And they just kind of bought into it and stepped into it. And they can begin to contribute to it. They, they talk about their, their collective at work almost as like a small group. They share their problems, they share their pain in life, and they pray for one another. And she's been a part of making this whole environment. And the, the customers, or they're, they're the patients at this dental clinic, they know that there's something unique about this place. When they step into this clinic, they can sense that there's a different environment that takes place in this place. And oftentimes when she's working on people's uh, mouths and teeth and doing oral surgery and stuff like that, she's just talking with them. And normally, naturally, these people not only begin to talk about their lives, they begin to share their pain. And they begin to share their problems with her. And she's simultaneously being oral hygienist and, and dentist and counselor at the same time with her patients. Because they just normally, naturally sense that this person genuinely cares about me. And she'll tell them oftentimes that she's going to pray for them. Or she'll tell them about Kettlebrook. Or she'll even, when it's appropriate, tell them about Jesus. Because she does this so well. She's wise in the way that she acts towards outsiders. She makes the most of every opportunity. I got a chance to see this happen in a beautiful way. Just the other month, I was doing some Christmas shopping downtown. And, and I happened to just step into a shop downtown. And while I was there, there was a person from Kettlebrook at the shop who worked at that shop. And they were giving their boss, the manager of, of, of the store, a Christmas present. And I just happened to walk in when this guy was opening up his Christmas present. And he opened up his Christmas present, the manager of the store. And you know what it was? It was a one-year Bible. It was a one-year Bible. And, and the guy said to me, he says, I know you've been saying you want to read the Bible. And listen, I tell me, tell you, I tried to read the Bible all the way through from cover to cover. And if you do it that way, you're never going to make it through. You're going to get stuck in Leviticus and March. And you're never going to, you know, pick it up again. I'll let me tell you. He says, this thing really works. He says, you get to go through Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day. And it's going to get you through the Bible in one day. And he says, I want to see you do this. And he's there cheering him on. And I'm like... This is, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Here's a guy from Kettlebrook giving him, his boss a one-year Bible so that his boss can dig in to God's Word for maybe the first time. What is he doing? He's, he's, he's making the most of every opportunity in an appropriate way. And you know why he's making the most of every opportunity? Because he sees his place of employment as that normal and natural environment where God calls us to be on mission with Him as we interact with others. So I want to close off our time with this, with this making a declaration together. Okay? I want you to think about 
where you work, what you do for a living. Okay? And I just, I just want us to stand together. Can you stand together? Okay? I want you to, to repeat after me. Okay? We're going we're gonna to make this declaration together. Okay? Because tomorrow's going to be Monday. And you're all going to go out, unless you're retired or, you know, whatever. If, you're going to go out somewhere. Okay? So I want you to repeat this after me. I am God's secret agent. I am God's secret agent. I am God's secret agent carefully disguised. I am God's secret agent carefully disguised. And now I want you to think about what it is you do for work. Okay? Give it a name. Okay? I am God's secret agent carefully described as... And then you're going to fill it in. I am God's secret agent carefully described as... Yes! All right. Now, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is tomorrow, go to work. And I want you to see your work as that unique, distinct, exclusive place that God has called you to live out the attitudes and the priorities of the kingdom of God and put Jesus on display and do that in such a way that it might make people curious that they might actually suspect that you work for someone else which you do and you can tell them I really work for my king Jesus do you know him? Do you know him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here we are. An army of your employees, of your secret agents, carefully disguised as teachers and doctors, factory workers, policemen, mothers and fathers, so much. And our prayer is that we would be your agents. You call us your ambassadors in Second Corinthians. That we would go out into our places of employment and we would see them as those legitimate places where we're rubbing shoulders of people who are far from you as those places you've called us to be your representatives. Lord, may we just live on mission for you. And we pray that you might receive all the glory and all the praise. And all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. You guys can have a seat. Uh, as part of this series, what we've been doing is we've been having a panel every week. And we're going to do that again this morning. Uh, instead of just hearing from uh, those of us who are professional pastors, if you would, uh, hearing some from some of us in the family here of faith. So this morning, I want you to give a warm Kettlebrook welcome to Candace, Jeff, and Brian. Can we welcome them? I'm so glad that all three of you came this morning. I didn't know for sure when I looked out there, Jeff, if you were here. I'm, I'm glad you came. So uh, <clears throat> Candace is uh, a retail supervisor uh, at Goodwill, right? And uh, Jeff is a pediatrician, Dr. Goza. And uh, Brian is in sales for a tech company, 
You're gonna, you can tell more about that, I, but when that's your turn. So, um, <clears throat> Mike talked about uh, these these things: doing everything without complaining, doing excellent work, and uh, making the most of every opportunity. First question I asked our panel this week was. Um, Paul talks about in, in Colossians chapter 3, doing everything as unto the Lord, so working as unto the Lord. Uh, what, without complaining, okay, because we can't complain, what has been a struggle for you to do that? And the reason why, again, we want to ask this question is just because I think we can identify with these things. What is this? This doesn't just become easy. This isn't just easy to do. So what has been a struggle for you personally to try to work as unto the Lord? Candace, I'm going to have you, uh, have you start us off. I'm pretty lucky to work for a company where helping others is built right into the mission and purpose for existing. While like others, I fail to be a perfect reflection of Jesus to employees and customers all the time, I think my biggest struggle has been figuring out how to live my convictions while still honoring the authority of my employer. For example, I sometimes feel limited by policies like conflict of interest. I have a strong desire to help everyone, and when I see a need that I can fulfill, I sometimes feel pressured to make business decisions that would impact my ability to do as much as I would like. I guess I struggle to balance working for God while still being respectful of the wishes of my employer. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. I do. I, yeah, well, um, there was some comments. I just at Goodwill the other day, and I was thinking about you and just like how the influence that you had there. We'll talk about that next question. But uh, Brian, how about you? So I work for a technology company, and I'm in sales, and. Um, it, it's tough because I'm judged on driving revenue for the company I work for. Yeah. And opportunities present themselves that may not always be in the best interest of the customer or, or my company, but could be in the best, best interest of me sure. financially or otherwise. And then sometimes you do get pressure from the company to do things that, that you know just aren't quite right. Um, so I, I do. I struggle with that all the time. I struggle with, you know, how do, how do I balance my desire to provide for my family and be successful and do good work with um, some of those pressures that come in from the outside that I know are not godlike and are not, you know, what 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 I should be paying attention to. Yeah, I think I think many of you will be able to relate to that as well, Brian. So thanks, Jeff. How about you? Well, with my job, I'm a pediatrician, so I do a, <clears throat> a lot of checkups. I do a lot of uh, sick visits with kids. So you'd think, oh, it's pretty easy to be to work in the Lord, working with kids all the time. Um, but not all kids are happy to be there. Not all families are happy to be there. Um, there's it, it's a it's a job situation where you're expected to be very secular, very just matter of fact, cerebral. Here's your here's your diagnosis. Here's our discussion, um, and it can be very very difficult to work as to the Lord in that. Yeah. Um, and there are situations that come up with kids that are not being treated very well, with families that struggle to make good choices over and over and over again, and sometimes it it can feel very frustrating with uh, giving advice, with taking care of of people who just can't seem to to take care of themselves. And there's a, a disconnect between what I try to do and helping people feel very confident in caring for themselves and their own family versus the drive that to care for others, to, the drive to, to um, try to act as Jesus did and just open your heart and, and not worry about the shortcomings of others. And sometimes it's very difficult to, to try to reconcile. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, the idea here is 
we want to work as unto the Lord, but that's, I think in all of our contexts, we recognize that that's not always easy to do. There are, there are, there are uh, struggles with that. So thank you guys for sharing that. Next question I asked was, um, <clears throat> we think about making the most of every opportunity. The question I asked our panel was, how have you seen God use you for his glory um, in your workplace? How have you seen God use you for his glory in your workplace? Jeff, you've got the mic. Why don't you start off with this one? Well, um, there are plenty of, of situations where um, people are improved, and you can see the improvement in people's lives um, by working with them time after time, and sometimes that grind actually pays off. Um, there are plenty of instances where um, I'm, I'm only human and I try my best not to judge, but part of medical training is, is using some preconceived notions to try to judge things and figure things out. Um, but I may be the only person that's nice to someone. Um, I may be the only positive influence a kid sees in a day, a kid that's being picked on, a kid that has a bad home situation. And I've, I've seen through my job, I've been very fortunate to be, be involved with families that turn things around. Hmm. So it's not always a bad story. In fact, a lot of times it's a good story. And um, sometimes, unfortunately, I have to comfort people with a bad diagnosis or deal, help them with the grieving process. And there are limited, but sometimes where I'm able to offer to pray for patients and um, offer my condolences in that way to try to open up a dialogue. Yeah. The God of comfort that you, we worship, you can bring with you as you do that. So thanks for doing that. Appreciate it. Candace, how about, how about you? I know, I know I've seen God work, work in it through you and I'm in goodwill and I see even you just pop out of, hey, how's it going everybody? Hey, just the most positive human being that, that you can find and run into. So I always appreciate seeing you there. I think when you look for them, you'll find opportunities all the time for God to use you for his glory. I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say that too often I miss them. It could be as simple as my response of faith when an associate questions how I maintain an oddly positive attitude when faced with a challenging customer. Maybe a peer doesn't understand why I continue to buy in when I'm frequently met with abrupt changes, unrealistic goals, or difficult work circumstances, and I can share how my faith is the answer. But I think the moments that stand out the most are those when I'm truly acting as the hands and feet of Jesus and helping someone in need. Some may wonder why I took time from a project with an approaching deadline to comfort them in crisis or offered babysitting services when they had no other support or gave them a job opportunity when no one else took a chance. And I can respond, it is because of Jesus. Mm, amen. Amen. Awesome. Brian, let's hear from you in this one. You, you're in a unique situation um, because you work from home. Yeah. And so tell us about this. Sure. How, how's that, what does that look like? So, um, you know, my colleagues at work are the dog and I when I'm at <laughs> home. Uh, so I, I don't see the same people or interact with the same people every day. Is your dog, I mean, saved? He's a nice dog. Saved? Yeah. So, a good dog. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, that's a different topic. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, so in order to, to, to physically be with somebody, it's intentional, right? I, I have to travel somewhere with a client or with a colleague, and it usually leads to spending time outside of the, the business purpose we're there to discuss. Um, and, and those conversations inevitably lead to family and, and inevitably lead to faith and beliefs. And, and I've been really lucky to work in an environment where um, I'm interacting with people from all over the world, from different cultures and backgrounds, and even faith backgrounds, and it's it's really it's really refreshing uh, to to have to have these long-standing relationships and have somebody come back to me five or ten years later and ask a question about my faith when I, I don't necessarily believe I ever really shared anything about my faith. 
So, um, you know, those, those types of interactions and I think those types of, of, of question and answer period and just getting to know people and understand what's important to them and, and looking for those windows to share information, you know, that's pertinent to what they're, what they're going through or what, what they're dealing with about my faith is, it's really interesting and it leads to a lot of really, really, um, really neat things that happen over time and come back. Yeah, so it's planting those seeds, every possible opportunity, those will come to fruition later on maybe at times uh, that you don't expect. So uh, third question I asked our panel was, and this one's a, a unique question I wanted to talk about, though, is because when we think about going out into the workplace, I think a lot of times we think of ourselves going out alone. And when Jesus sent his disciples out, he did not send them out alone. He sent them out in pairs at least. Okay, and so the question I asked the panel was, how might it be helpful to seek others out, so others, other followers of Jesus out, as you're trying to live for Jesus as as you work? Okay, what would that that might might that look like? So, and Brian, again, more of a challenge here for you in the environment, but you got the mic. Yeah, sure. So, um, I actually have a colleague that's uh, in the Milwaukee metro area that I've gotten to be fairly close with because we work with the same customers. And, you know, through our dialogue, I found out that, that he's a follower of Jesus. He's very involved. And, you know, the, the interchange that you and I had over this question, Troy, it really got me thinking, well, I should reach out to Brian, the other Brian. And, you know, we together could do something, right? And, you know, you talk about working in pairs. We together could do something. Whether it's just, um, you know, talking, you know, one-on-one about how we can, uh, um, you know, further further our belief in how we work with people or, you know, it, it may be something else and something broader that we can do with the organization we work for or with clients that we're working with. Yeah, or even uh, with Brian saying, hey, let's pray. Yeah. Maybe there's some, can we take some time to pray? Some yeah. simple things were, but they're very powerful things that you could do together. So thanks okay. for wrestling through that one. I know we were, that's why I asked the question. Um, Jeff, how about you? What does that look like for you when you think about seeking out others in the context that you work in that might also follow Jesus to help be salt and light where you are? Well, I'm sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum from Brian. I work with uh, Stacy Bowden, third row right over this side. <laughs> you knew this was going to happen. She, she was on a video like two weeks ago. So, yeah. And cool. you surprised her, apparently. Is that true? We surprised you? You were. How can we surprise you? You made a video. Uh, sorry, well, Stacey. so we share an office, and I'm going to hear about this tomorrow. Okay, fair enough. Um, you probably should. Oh, I, I definitely should. Okay. But, um, you know, uh, Stacy and I, it's, it's wonderful. We're in a missional community together, and as is Brian. Uh, but we, we share an office space. So in between patients, over lunch, um, we, we talk a lot. And, and uh, work has been a very hot topic recently. Um, and, in fact, it was just kind of pertinent. Um, usually I go in talking to myself like Mike was trying to hype us up, like, oh, it's going to be great today. I'm like, all the changes happening, it's going to be fantastic. And I walk in and check my email, and then it just goes down south. Sure. But it's very, very nice to have um, a sister in Christ who understands the, the day-to-day frustrations of management and working environment, but also where I want my heart to be, mm-hmm. um, and that we can wrestle through some of these things, some of these sort of um, philosophical ideas that are at loggerheads, and come up with some solutions pray about it, and really just kind of approach this like we're, we're talking about in the series and really trying to work and live, and live for Jesus. Yeah, so having iron sharpen iron, at teaching and admonishing one another in the Word, um, that's, that's, that's you, awesome. You said that much better than I did. That's, that's, <laughs> just, Paul said it, actually, just quoting Paul. So, uh, Candace, why don't you uh, 
close us out here with what your how does that look like for you? Well, yeah, until Troy asked me, I hadn't really put much thought into the idea of partnering up with others at work for the sake of the gospel. Um, it seems that there's kind of an unwritten rule that faith is somehow a taboo topic at work. I know I'm surrounded by Jesus followers, but most of them seem to turn off their faith the second they step into the building. I've occasionally experienced periods of time where faith-filled peers or staff were vocal about their beliefs, and it's certainly easier to see Christ glorified when you have that partnership. Mm. Thoughtfully considering the impact that we had together versus me alone really helped me realize that I need to do more to seek other believers at work. Yeah. And, and, and again, two of you are saying you're wrestling through that right now. I'm hoping that, that a lot of us are just hearing that going, yeah, you know what? I haven't really even thought about that. What would it look like for me to engage my, my brothers and sisters in Christ in the place that I already work for the sake of prayer, for the sake of um, planting seeds and seeing harvest for the sake of the good news in the kingdom? So thank you guys very much. Let me pray uh, and then we're going to sing. But um, let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for... Um, the, 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 the ways that we are disguised as your um, secret agents seeking to live out the gospel and the good news wherever we go. Father, we pray that you would convict us by your spirit, that you would challenge us, that we would look at the way that we see our work and it would change the way that we see our work and see that, that you have us uniquely there for those individuals that we are going to encounter, interact with, whether they're um, from around the globe, whether they live right across the street, wh- whatever the case may be, whether it's those even in our own home that we are caring for, Father. I pray that you would show us. And, Father, I pray that we would be motivated to do this, not because it's another thing that we think we should do, but it's because when we think about these things, that, that we are to do everything without complaining because Jesus did. That we are to do excellent work because he did the most excellent work. And that we are to make the most of every opportunity because that is what your son Jesus has done. He made the most of every opportunity that he had to point to you, Father. I pray that we would do all these things motivated out of a heart's desire because of the gospel. And so we pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen.